I had the esteemed privilege of meeting a lot of really cool people at Super Bowl, but when people ask me who did I enjoy talking to the most, one meme I keep saying over and over again is the young up-and-coming wide receiver from the Green Bay Packers, a man that burst onto the scene last year, Alan Lazard. My man, it is great to have you. You were just saying a lot has changed. Uh, the world is, is not the same. Not at all. Man, but it is great to see your face. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Excited. We had a we had a great conversation down in Miami. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting nuggets. And I think your your social media feed is a lot like mine, where I feel like every day I wake up and I'm thinking about the same things and I am upset by the same things and I think I'm exhausted by the same things. And at the same point, I have to talk about it and I have to think about it because I want it to change. And I'm curious how you've been processing these last few weeks. Um, for the most part, you know, like two, three weeks ago, I feel like when this, when everything really started to pop off, it almost felt like it was overwhelming. You know, anytime you get on social media, you were seeing the same thing over and over constantly. And, you know, for me, I was like, this is just too much. Like, but then I started to realize, you know, this is what needs to happen you know, to make it more of a conversation, to make it more part of the, our daily routine, um, so to speak, of to be able to address the issues going on in this world, um, political and and non-political too, of just trying to go out here and, and try to change of what's going on and to be a voice. I think it's, it's funny because when we first met, I went, oh, you're from California. <laughs> and, and as I'm getting ready for today, not only was I surprised that you're from Iowa, I look up Urbandale. I have never seen African-Americans are 0.1% in Urbandale, Iowa. Like I've never seen it that, like, low. that low. That According to Wikipedia, it's 91% white and 0.1% African-American. Did it feel like that growing up? Yes and no. Um, you know, growing up in Urbandale, I always tell people we are the whitest black school and the blackest white school. So we are, are really, you know, a, a balance in between that. Um, there was a lot of Bosnians that went to my school. So I'm not sure if that falls underneath, you know, the, the 99% of right. white people or whatever. But, um, we, you know, I think I had a, a, for the most part, being in Iowa, um, the Des Moines area, I think I had a very um, good amount of diversity in my school. Um, you know, I had friends from, multiple backgrounds, multiple walks of life and everything. And obviously in Iowa, it's very limited um, for that for that uh, horizon of culture and everything. But for the most part, you know, I was able to um, expand my friend group, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's the beautiful thing about sports. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like I grew up in a, in a town where I think it was under 4%, but because I played basketball and I would go into Philadelphia or travel, that's that's where you learn how to interact with everybody is from sports because it's that level playing field. But I, dude, I thought of you right away when all this stuff was happening with the Iowa football program. You went to Iowa State. I know your dad went there. Your brother went there. Um, but I know that you were recruited by Iowa. And I was curious as we saw everything with the strength and conditioning coach and, and all the, the former players coming out, the black players went to Iowa. How did it hit you to see all of those stories? And did any of that ring true to you? Um, personally, I have no experience. I don't think I've met their strength coach at all. I've heard mm -hmm. plenty about him. 
um, obviously being in Iowa and everything and then going to Iowa State. But um, unfortunately, it wasn't too big of a surprise for me. And that was kind of somewhat of the stigma at Iowa. And I have more than more than enough respect for Coach Barrett and their program and stuff. Um, I, I very much considered going there, especially when they first offered me. But, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate to hear the stories and everything um, that are coming out from the players, but it's also great to see Coach Ferentz um, in, the, in the actions that he's taken throughout this entire process and the fact that he's owning up to, you know, what's going on. And I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. And it's not, we can't sit here and dwell on the past too much, but we got to focus on the future. And I think he's doing a great job of that. It is crazy because I didn't even, when you said to me when we first started this, a lot has changed. I didn't even think about the fact that we're all quarantined right now. Like I didn't, that was, like that's that's how in this we are right now that I didn't even think it's about. It's the new norm. It's wild. It's the new norm. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, yeah, a lot has changed since, really since, you know, left Miami and then probably like a, within like the next three or four weeks, you know, things really started to pop off and um, yeah. It's been crazy. I know that you guys have been doing Zoom meetings, and now you're in Green Bay. Um, have you been around the team yet? Have as as that like started? So I just actually just got done working out with Dean Lowry and then AJ Dillon. Um, so I came here mm-hmm. about ten days ago, and so I, I've been working out with AJ a few times at this place called Synergy Sports um, here in Wisconsin or in Green Bay, which is honestly a tremendous facility. Um, it, it, very much surprised me just of being here in Green Bay and whatnot, of being able to have the access to a facility like this with the equipment and the training that we're doing. So very thankful and very grateful for that. Also, but I've always heard this about Green Bay and Appleton, that there's no escaping being a Packer in that area. At all. Because it's so small. And I'm curious, with with coronavirus and COVID-19 and also like, this this racial divide in America and trying to fight for equality and equity and all of that. What has what have the people of, of Appleton and Green Bay, how have they received you as you've kind of been in the area thus far? Well, honestly, I haven't even gone out. So when I first got here, I didn't have a car. Um, so I'm kind of in the whole process of doing that. So I just got a car last Friday. And as soon as I got it, I went back home to Iowa. So I just got mm-hmm. back yesterday. So um Yesterday, I was out at Walmart doing some shopping and stuff, uh, getting some appliances for the house. But uh, so far, I mean, my interaction with the public has been pretty normal, it seems like. You know, um, no one's really stopped to talk to me, talk about Packers or football or anything yet. Yeah. Um, that's a big yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, just the culture here, um, the community, the environment, they've always been embracing and loving um, completely. So... I don't really expect too much to change from that. Maybe just a little bit more open conversations and more awareness of what's going on with the world. But besides that, um, I expect the same amount of love and respect from everyone. Is AJ Dillon as big as he seems? Bigger. <laughs> really? Bigger. I mean, when you get comped to Derrick Henry a lot, like I can imagine, but like you, you saw him and what was the, the original takeaway there? And I, I mean, it's just like bionic <laughs> like his shoulders his tries his thighs are just huge his, his thighs um his quads are like saquons you know the mm. mass he's 250 it's why 250 it's like a defensive end so when you're watching him go through the drills does it is it 
is he just big or does it also carry oh, over? Uh, he, he knows how to, he knows how to, you know, carry his weight and be able to um, shift and move and, um, you know, training with them. It only kind of sucks for me because he's so strong. It's like, I can't go down and wait. <laughs> 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 this is a rookie too. Like, hell no, I'm not about to let him out work. So, you know, he's always been, he's been great to work well with. It's interesting because I think about your offense and I think about LaFleur and everyone went, oh, they're going to try and do what they did with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. And I also think, you know, when it starts getting snowy in Green Bay, to be able to lean on a big back like that, that's how you demoralize another defense, I would imagine. Absolutely. You know, I mean, just for me and my game, you know, when we get to November, December, I know those DBs don't want to tackle. They don't want to hit. So just from my perspective of um, being a receiver, I know I can be a little bit more aggressive or my aggression carries more weight um, in those cold weather games. And you know, especially the fact that he's from the, from the New England area, um, played at BC, you know, he's used to playing those cold weather games. So it'll be, it should be a smooth transition for him this year. It's, it, it's funny to me that after the draft, everybody was saying, oh, I wish they got more to help Aaron. And, and I know a lot of the fan base was kind of upset, but then I think about somebody like you and the fact that, to me, it was almost a vote of confidence for, for somebody like you. Like, we don't need to take a wide receiver early because we got a guy like Lazard. And I'm curious, did that give you more confidence? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the fact of, you know, what taken, what took place of them not picking a receiver or whatever. Um, just from that perspective, at the end of the day, going into the draft, um, it didn't matter to me. You know, at the end of the day, we got to show up and I got to go earn a job just like I did last year. And I always invite competition to the room because it's only going to elevate our level of play if it gets better. Um, you know, just from being in this room last year, being around Devontae every single day, watching him, um, being around Jimmy Grant and Mercedes, you know, I've taken a little bit of my game from them as well. So, you know, the, the better the better talent, the more people that we have are able to elevate um, the room. You know, you're only as good as your worst player. And, you know, I, I always stand by that, by that quote. And I think it, it ranks for a lot of our success. I have had a chance to, to hang out and interview and meet Malcolm Jenkins now over and over again. And it, it hurt me to watch him cry after Drew Brees' comments came out. And I'm, I'm so thankful that he released his original video because I think it is important to see the impact of words. And almost immediately, 12, Rogers came out and spoke what he said. And I was curious how much pride it gave you guys on that team to know that your quarterback came out immediately and said that this is not okay. And we know why he was kneeling and it's important. Like what, what, what kind of pride did that give you guys? Uh, tremendous. I mean, it's, you know, the post only solidified more so of what Aaron is and his characteristics and you know just who he is as a person. Um, you know, even if you didn't post that, there was no doubt about, you know, his unwavering support of the African-American community with police brutality and kneeling and everything. Um, so he, him and just, you know, him going out and making sure that he publicly says, and, you know, he owns up to his words and he lives by those words every single day. Um, you know, obviously that just creates a lot of comfort and, um, you know, I think, you know, he raises any tension that could have possibly stirred up just from this whole incident going on and whatnot. But the fact that we have been addressing it multiple times throughout um, our quarantine meetings on Zoom and stuff, you know, we've had conversations in our wide receiver room. I've had multiple conversations with uh, other players 
other friends and family too. So just the fact that um, we're talking about it every single day and addressing it, I think goes a long way. When did you know that Aaron Rodgers truly was an ally, even kind of before all this stuff? Um, probably when I first got there, you know, um, when I, when I first showed up, I kind of just sat back and watched, you know, I didn't really say much, but I just saw how he treated other people and, you know, how he treated the coaches, how he treated the training staff, the guys, uh, the cafeteria area, the front office, and then more so just young guys like me, you know, it wasn't just me that he kind of took under his wing. I see him coaching up guys in the practice court all the time saying, this is what you need to do better. Um, this is how you can't do better. And just seeing him do that on a daily basis is inspirational and just, you know, it's, it's just very uh, comforting knowing that, you know, your quarterback and the leader of your team and everything is doing everything and anything you can to help out everyone. It's, it's funny to me because you always hear coaches say, when you get in these walls, we're, we're dealing with what we got to deal with and everything on the outside is on the outside. And this offseason, it's almost impossible for that to be the case. Has it been more conversations about life and and what it's like to be a man more than you've ever seen in your life? Absolutely. Um, you know, just for me personally, it's kind of forced me to open my eyes and to be more aware of what's going on with politics, uh, what's going on with the police brutality and everything, and just being more educated of what's going on in the world. These conversations obviously have been uncomfortable. You know, I've had arguments, I've had um, disagreements, but at the end of the day, when those conversations end, we both are on the same page. I think that's what, um, as a society, as individuals, as a community, that we need to do. We need to have those uncomfortable conversations and you need to voice your opinion. But I think the biggest thing is to be open to other people's ideas and to, and to listen to them because you can't sit here and argue and try to blast your opinion everywhere, but if you're not going to sit here and be able to listen and hear the other side of the story. How much tighter do you think teams can get now? Oh, wow. I mean, something like this especially can, you know, either divide or bring bring a team together completely and just, you know, really elevate the camaraderie and the chemistry within a team. I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, has there been a moment that even surprised you thus far? That, that you kind of sat back and, and it, it made you proud to be a Packer? Say it again. Has there been a moment that's made you proud to be a Packer that even surprised you through all these conversations? Um, was it today? I think it might have been this morning or yesterday where I saw that the Packers had posted that they're, um, they're not going to be operating or opening up the facility at all on June 19th because of the historical event. Um, that means, obviously, to... Um, abolishing slavery so I just just you know that small little gesture and you know for me that goes a long way it's just you know just more so the recognition and the acknowledgement of the history and what it means to everyone um, I think you know that was probably you know I mean not to say that's the only time that I've obviously been proud to be a Packer but you know I think that one resonates the most as a player it's just showing that they're listening and it's showing that they care exactly. and it's because I know for myself, the notion of to come in on something like Juneteenth and to ask black men to share their, it's like, this is a time for, for celebration, but it doesn't need to be about sharing those stories. Because for me, I, I can only imagine how exhausting it is to have to be the person that speaks all the time. Mm -hmm. 
And now it's like, this is a time where I'm hearing so many white people say that they want to listen. And it's like, I'm almost seeing the opposite where I want white people to share and allow black men to listen and to hear that growth has happened. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think it's just, this whole time, it just needs to be conversation. You know, it shouldn't necessarily be so like the changes are going to happen on social media um, and within the media, it's going to happen with conversations like this, you know, um, being in the community, um, talking together as a team and as a group. And, you know, it's going to take small, small people and small groups to make a large change. I'm going to be honest. I didn't realize uh, that Packers even owned cars. I just thought you guys rode bicycles everywhere. <laughs> so what, what did you go with? I, I feel like you went with a midsize sedan. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. I'm What'd out. you do? What'd you do? Uh, 2019 Durango. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I decided to get that. Should be getting it within like the next week or so. I believe. Okay. Um, as a as a wide receiver that cares about his craft, the wide receiver position I always feel like, other than quarterback, is the the number one where we get the most top five lists, and everybody has their own favorites. And oftentimes I look at lists and I don't see Devonte. And I the two guys that I always see neglected the most are Devonte and Keenan Allen. I, I never see them in the list, and they're always the also reds. And, and I'm curious. Do you think that Devonte is on that list, and do you think it upsets him when he's not on those lists? Top two and not two. Yeah. Really, Devonte. Um, the thing that, I love this, by the way, <laughs> the things that he's done with his feet are illegal. You know, they're registered weapons. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people acknowledge that Devonte is obviously you know at the top of his game right now. Um, especially has been for a long time. But I think a lot of the credit gets taken away because he's playing with Aaron. And because mm -hmm. Aaron obviously is very at the top of his game too and um, just the career that he's had, you know, people, it's, it's hard to distinguish, you know, which one is actually making the play. And it should be both of them. You know, you need to recognize mm -hmm. both. That, you know, it's a, one is obviously a team sport, but, you know, those two individuals, the chemistry, um, and just you know how they operate together. You look at the the Seattle game, and it's third and five, I think, um, with a couple minutes to go. And right before the snap, you know, Aaron gives Devontae a signal, you know, adjusts his route, and they you know execute on a perfect play to keep the, keep the drive going, be able to run the clock. And you know, maybe for the average fan, you not you don't see that, but you know, as, as you know, as a football player, you know, obviously someone very involved in the sport, um, you know, I see the small details like that that really separate those two guys from anyone else. It is funny because most people see wide receiver position as the spectacular catches or the, the, the range in which they can bring the ball in. But that initial few steps off the line is really the difference between being open and not being open and giving your quarterback that window. What is it about Devontae's feet that, that you call them registered weapons? Um, I think the thing that he does the best and what's the hardest about being a receiver is reacting. And, you know, you can go into a play having a good idea, but at any given moment, you know, you don't know what the DB is going to do. You don't know what the safety is going to do or what coverage you're going to play. You know, you could be thinking one thing, it could be ended up in something completely different. And so that's one of the hardest things about being a receiver is to be able to adjust on the fly 
to maintain, you know, it's all about timing, you know, especially in the offense that we run and most of the NFL, it's all about timing and being in the right place at the right time. So when you have to make those adjustments and you, when you get hit with an obstacle or you have to face some adversity um, when you're coming off the line and still being able to get to that position, be able to the right spot, be able to still execute a play, even though it may only be seven, eight yards, that's still a win. And like you said, you know, I feel like, especially with the social media, um, just the way this generation is kind of uh, society is going, you know, they look for the spectacular play, look for the one-handed Odell catch, the touchdown and stuff, but, you know, they don't see the the blocking. They don't see the, the um, being able to take the top off to open it up for someone else. You know, a lot of things, especially because Devontae, um, the past few years, because there hasn't been a, a supporting cast, he's got a lot of double teams too. And, you know, that obviously takes away from a lot of his success and um, his production. When you hear the stories that Zeke got uh, COVID-19 and, and uh, some members of the Texans, what is there a fear in the locker rooms at all that after all these months apart, we're all back together now and who knows what could happen? A little bit. I mean, I think that's natural and normal to – to think that way. Um, but for me personally, um, I don't fear death. So, you know, this whole thing, I just kind of like, I've tried to be mindful of others, but also I don't want to change, you know, necessarily my life and how I want to live. And to be able to go out there, you know, playing a, a sport like football where we have to all be together. We have to be, you know, with each other all the time, whether it's in the meeting room or on the, on the practice field. And so it's going to create a lot of obstacles a lot of different scenarios of how we go about things on a daily basis. But I think um, overall, I think, you know, once we get back there, I think we'll be able to see and be able to feel each other out a little bit more. But I think the start of sports will kind of help society and, and us as individuals as well kind of get over this fear of COVID-19. It's interesting. I just started reading this book called Gates of Fire, and it's about the Battle of Thermopylae when the Spartans the 300 Spartans stood up to uh, Xerxes and, and the Persian forces and all that. Yeah. And it's interesting that very early in the book, uh, one of the older uh, wise men is talking to a young kid. And he said, the main reason we win is because of Phobos or fear in our opponents. And that if you can conquer that, that can be the deciding factor. And I, I think it, it has been interesting to watch our world deal with fear. And, and the different ways in which some people choose to be ignorant to it, some people respect it and they attack it in that certain way. But I, I think the fact that you've already stated in, in yourself that you don't fear death, that you are about living, I think is the first obstacle for so many people to overcome because they always mm -hmm. wanna think about the end instead of the now. And I, I think that's really the yeah. first step. And it's interesting that you say that. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I had a conversation with my parents the other day when I was back home. Of, you know, they're, my parents are uh, about to turn 50, you know, this year. So they're a little bit older and everything. And, you know, I understand and recognize that, you know, why they may not want to be as going out in the public and whatnot. They want to be a little bit more safe and cautious. But um, for me, you know, I just feel like there's a million ways you can die, you know, at the end of the day. And you can't just sit here and focus on one way because when you focus on that, it's going to consume your life. You know, it's, it's going to mess up your energy, mess up your focus. And ultimately, it's going to, you know, then you're trying to survive rather than live. What are, do you think the biggest changes 
to the NFL cycle will be because of coronavirus and, and all of that? Like, what do you think the big changes will be inside these, these walls? I think the medical screening process will be a lot more intense, um, mm. which it already was, I, I feel like. Um, obviously, just as being athletes and whatnot, they end up being a business, which makes sense, but I think it'll be a little bit more um, intense as far as screening goes. But uh, I think the whole fan situation, you know, I think that'll be, that for me, that's going to be the, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to next of when they're going to address that, what's going to happen with the season and, you know, really just what's going to be the new normality as far as that goes. Can you imagine catching a touchdown uh, to win the game no. and hearing <laughs> crickets? <laughs> what? Like that would, how, how much do you generate energy off of the fans and especially at Lambeau? hundred percent. I mean, to, I mean, if you take out the fans, then it becomes a scrimmage. And for me, and just the way football is, you can't, as much as they, you know, you, you want to practice like you play. You know, you want to go and be in game mode every single day. And you do that, but at the same time, you can't do that because you want to be trained, you'd be trained, you'd be exhausted. Um, and physically, you would just be dead. That's why we don't uh, tackle, obviously, and stuff. But. Mm. Just getting that energy from the crowd, you know, that gets your adrenaline pumping a little bit more. It makes, you know, when you're tired, you can push through those moments a little bit, a little bit harder because you know the, the crowd noise is drowning you out. Um, and for me, it almost creates a focus, you know, just having that white noise there. Um, and then you know, obviously scoring a touchdown, you know, with the Lambo leap without Lambo, <laughs> you would just fall into the seats. Exactly. I guess. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting. If if. If there was no crowd noise, and I, I know you got to go soon. If there was no crowd noise, I've always I don't want them to pump it in because the other benefit, and this would be for the fans, is we get to hear everything on the field. And I'm hearing some people come out and say the fans wouldn't be ready to hear all of that stuff. Is that accurate? Like, what are we not ready for? Um, for me personally, I'm a different person on the field, and mentally, you know, I have to make that switch because. I'm playing a physical, violent sport, and I can't be the the nice, conversating guy like we are, like I am right now. You know, yeah. I have to to be able to achieve my goal. And I know I say a lot of things that I probably shouldn't say, or I don't remember saying. And most of the time, you know, I'm not really big of a of a trash talker, but you know, if someone's barking at me, I'm gonna bark back. You know, and it's just gonna fire me up even more. So I saw Deshaun Jackson. You know, he was kind of the first guy to. Um, throw that idea out there, which I'm all for because of entertainment. It'll, you know, it'll connect, make uh, fans and players connect a little bit more. I feel like you'll get to know them and, and be a little bit more personal. But at the same time, I know I say a lot of a lot of bad things and a lot of things I'm not proud of. So, you know, I just hope that fans and people are able to kind of distinguish between the player and the person. Because because mm. there is a different mindset, a different state of mind that you are in when you are playing, especially in a very intense game, you know, playoff games, Monday night football, uh, you know what I'm saying? The fourth quarter games on the line, you, you've been going at it the whole time. It's a division rivalry, you know what I'm saying? So, Do you have a nickname for yourself when you're out there? A nickname? I mean, a lot, I go by Laz a lot. 
I like Laz. So when you go out there, it's Laz. Yeah, yeah. So like when I get ready for the game, Laz or focus. So like I probably take a shower four hours or so before the game, and once I take that shower, that's when I really started my process of getting ready, and kind of you know I start to get dressed, get groomed up, you know, start feeling good, go eat, go eat a my pregame meal, listen to my music, and I really started like slowly, slowly get into that mode. Um, and then by the time kickoff is around, you know, I'm last. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. last. You are the man. I'm going to call you Alan because this has been a very pleasant conversation. I uh, I, I, I'm sure you got a lot of meetings and stuff. Continued success. A true player on the rise. I will always be a fan. Alan Lazard, you are the man, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, Adam. Hopefully I'll be able to yeah, see man, we'll talk another interview in person. Maybe practice social distancing. But we'll still be face to face. Yeah, it'll be like sixty minutes with some light kits, six yeah. feet away. I'm down. There we All go. All right, brother. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. God bless. See you, man. You too. All right, and that was Alan Lazard. Uh, thank you, guys, as always. Holla, holla, holla. I am the L E F K O E man. Uh, I am going to leave you with one thing because I did promise a lesson every time. First, I want to say uh, to everybody out there. Uh, that has DM'd me, that has said that uh, the podcast as of late have really resonated with them. I hear you. I see you. Uh, and thank you. Uh, I had a chance. I don't know if you guys have Amazon Prime, uh, but they recently made uh, James Baldwin. I think it's a documentary following the writing of one of his books. Uh, the name of the documentary is called I Am Not Your Negro. Um, and there was one line. Uh, the lessons that I want to teach are not always factual and percentages and statistics. Uh, this one, sometimes it's just a quote. And when he said it, I paused it. And I just, sometimes I just really appreciate really thoughtful, impactful things. And he said, and this was at a debate, if any white man in the world says, give me liberty or give me death, the entire white world applauds. When a black man says exactly the same thing word for word, he is judged a criminal and treated like one. And everything possible is done to make an example of this bad so there won't be any more like him. And I think it's just a, a thing to think about. Think about our world. Don't be afraid of it. Stand up. Don't sit down. Speak. Don't remain silent. And I know that this can be exhausting. There are moments that I am going through this where I am exhausted. And I wake up the next day and I read more because the way we change is to not stop. So I love you guys. I am so proud uh, of the messages you're sending me and the things that you're, you're, you're DMing me um, and, and the conversations and keep it going. And, uh, people have reached out to me already about, about causes we can support. Uh, my man, uh, Ezel, is already wondering do we do something with the Lefko Fantasy Gridiron League, the LFGL, uh, to, to support some causes? I don't like taking money from you guys um, unless you guys think it's a good idea that we do it and it all goes to somewhere. I don't – this isn't about monetization. I, I, you guys have done enough just by listening that I don't really want to go into your pockets because I know that not everybody's in a place. But if you guys think that we do something with the LFGL – Candidly, I, I do enjoy it being free because I, I think it is fun. But if we all do 10 bucks, I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys. So let me know. But 
I hope you guys are doing your 15 minutes of education, your 15 minutes of action. Uh, and I, I love you a lot. We have some more players coming up in the next few weeks. Um, I'm going to be doing back to inside the NBA. That's going to be starting the beginning of July. And that will be crazy. And it looks as though I'm going to be doing a, a show for Bleacher Report that is very similar to the Muhammad Sanu episode of Ditch the Playbook last year. Uh, I'll have more information on that coming up. But in the meantime, I love you. I appreciate you. Keep on keeping on. Holla, holla, holla. I'm the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. We'll holla at you guys next week.